Luke chapter 2, I'll begin reading at verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. I invite you to bow your heads as I pray, as we come to God, having heard his word, to have him apply it to us. Father in heaven, we we come this morning to hear these familiar words, words which we have read and sung together today, that you are the God who deserves glory because you have brought peace to us through the birth of Jesus. Lord, for those of us that feel the the heaviness of this season, the, the sorrow, the loss, Lord, I pray that here in these words we would find comfort. Father in heaven, some of us come with with doubts, with questions. And so, Lord, I pray that you would show us the truth of this message. Lord, we want to be transformed by your gospel. So let us hear this good news afresh, that you are the God who sent Jesus to be our Savior, Jesus, who is the Christ, who is our Lord. We pray in his name. Amen. All right, I I hit a point this week in studying that I thought the whole sermon series had come crumbling down because I've set this up. We've set set up this series as these four songs here in Luke. But but look with me at, at verse 13 where we have the great company of the heavenly host appear with the angel praising God and saying. Not singing, but saying. So, I mean, we, we have to change Wesley's words. Hark the herald angels say, go find the baby in the hay. Or, or hark the herald angels said, somebody get the poor kid a bed. I mean, now, now there's a reason, though, that, that we think of this, along with that's the same description from Mary's song, that it's a song that's spoken. But there's a reason that you and I immediately set them to music. Probably because in the first instance they were sung. That these are genuine songs. We just don't have the the, the recordings. It's just saying these are the lyrics. This is what is said in this song. This is how it's announced to us. Because instinctively, throughout the history of the church, these sayings have very quickly become songs. Because the announcement of good news bursts forth into praise And this heavenly chorus praises God. And with their voices, they're saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. So this is a song that should bring us joy. Because everything has changed. There is real hope here for us in this Christmas story. And so we're going we're gonna to look at this passage, what we read today, just using the, the simple outline of, of Pastor Alistair Begg. 
Um, you're not going to get it with his great accent, but you, you're going to at least get the, the outline that he has. He has this, this beautiful Scottish accent. But, but he gives it to us in, in, in three simple points. The sign, the song, and the significance. Now, you see, he's kind of cheating with that third one because it's really kind of the first one coming back around. But, but it alliterates, so it makes it easy for me to hear. Song, or sign, song, significance. Right? So what is, the, what is the sign that is given in this announcement of the angel? It's there in verse 12. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. But the scene is, is set for us. Right? We have the birth of, of Jesus there in, in verse 6, before what we read this morning. She gives, Mary gives birth to the son. She wraps him in cloths and she placed him in the manger. And then we go outside to the, the hills nearby. The, the fields of Bethlehem, where we find shepherds, these unexpected recipients of this angelic message. And verse 9, an angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. When we see it, every time the angels show up, people are terrified. And you can imagine the angels probably trying to think through, like, okay, how do we do this a little bit better? You know, have you ever had the experience like somebody in your own house even comes up behind you and kind of startles you? Like, and you say, don't do that to me. Or worse, you walk into a dark room and there's somebody already in there. It's like, why don't you have the lights on? Don't do that. You know, so you can imagine the angels trying to figure out like, okay, what's, what's the best way that we can show up without people sort of panicking? And the angels, but, but the reality is, every time an angel appears, what do we see? We see the glory of the Lord. The, 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 the heavens are pulled open and you're seeing heaven's glory standing in front of you. So no matter how carefully an angel arrives, no matter how well he plans his, his entrance, he will have to spend the first few seconds standing there waiting for everyone to calm down a little bit. And so angels always begin with those words, don't be afraid. Because the angel says, I bring you good news. I bring you the gospel, an announcement of good news for you. It should, it, this will bring great joy for, for you and all the people. The people of Israel will hear this news and respond because, look at verse 11, today, today in the town of David, the Savior has been born. He is Christ the Lord. I mean, here in this story, we have the miraculous arrival of an angel, the announcement of the miraculous that the Savior has been born. And then we have the sign. Now, the sign of verse 12 is, is, is unlike some of the other signs we find in Scripture. At times you have people that demand a sign from God. If, if you want me to believe what you say, prove it to me, and God will show a sign. Or, or think of the way John's gospel is laid out. When Jesus arrives, he comes giving them signs, miraculous signs, confirming the truth of what he has done. But, but this doesn't seem like that kind of sign. Because what they're going to go see is not really all that miraculous. So you will find a baby wrapped in cloths. Well, of course we will. It's a baby. You don't want to just leave it exposed. For sure, you want to at least get the leaky end covered up. Now, now think of that, though. The Savior of the universe, the God of heaven, needs to be wrapped in cloths by his mother. And because what is the sign? It, it's yes, when you get into Bethlehem, this is how you'll know this is the right baby. He'll be wrapped up. Okay, but well that doesn't narrow it down much. 
and he'll be placed there in a manger. Because this is a sign of great humility, that the God of heaven is born a child. And, and, and when I picture a manger, I, I, I picture that, that little cradle that we put up at the front when the kids all come up and you've got the, the kids with their, their sheep ears on and, and they're kind of all scattered around and you've got the little cradle there in the, the manger scene, right? In the nativity set. But so I, I think of it like, like a baby's cradle. But, but remember, I mean, w- we know what it means. It's a feeding trough. This is where you dump the slop left over for the animals to feed from. And yes, I'm, I'm sure Mary did her best in the agony of labor to try and clear it out some. But this is an animal's feeding trough. This is a sign of great humility. Yes, it's a sign that will point them the way. They'll know they found the right place. This is going to be the baby who's in the feeding trough. But it also shows us the the humility of Jesus, our Savior. See, and a manger is more than a, a crude little cradle. The manger shows us the humility of Christ. Our, our missionaries to, to Tanzania, Jeff and Holly Robinson, are, are actually still traveling back home now. We had the, the privilege of having them here with us for a couple of months, but a couple of years ago, they shared a, a, an email, an update from their, their missions agency, Wycliffe Bible Translators. And it was a story of a, of a different country in Africa, of Nigeria. The Embui people of, of Nigeria, the translators were working on the Gospel of Luke. And the, the native speakers worked quickly, through, or worked diligently through, through this Gospel story here in Luke 2. And when they came to the word for manger, they, they knew what word to use right away. Because every time they'd heard the story told in church, they already knew the word that they would hear. But the translation team said, well, no, no, let's look at the, let's look at the details. Don't just, don't just think of the word that sounds the most familiar to you. Let's look at the meaning. This is, this is a feeding trough. This is a humble birth. And so instead of using the, the Akpong word, because when the, the translation team asked them, well, describe it to me. They even sketched it on a whiteboard, and it was, it was the kind of cradle every mother would have in her house. It could be attached by strings so that it, that it could rock. I mean, it's what every mom would want for her baby. And so they wrestled, and they found a, another word, etzabri, a description of the, the basket that you find that's already kind of ripped and torn, already in the junk pile, but you pull that out and think, well, this will be good for dragging food out to the animals. The problem is when they, when they took the, the, the translation to test it out on, on native listeners, those for whom this was their heart language, people objected. They said, you're not telling the story right. You're using the wrong word. Until the, translation, the translator said, no, but, but listen. Listen to what it means. And, and the, the update from, from Wycliffe says this. As the MB people listen, they're visibly moved. Because picturing the newborn baby lying in the animal's feeding basket, they realized in a new way what Jesus was coming to do for them. So remember, this is the Savior who on the night of his own betrayal and arrest got down and washed his disciples' feet. This is the Savior who came to serve, who went to the cross. You see, having the right picture in our heads, using the right word here for us. And for some of us, this is so familiar that we just, we just rush through it. We can sing the songs without even thinking about the words. And, and those of you that work in retail, you're sick of these songs already. 
But think of the, the truth that's announced to us. The creator of the heavens. The one who made the vast expanses of the universe has no room here on earth. The king of glory is laid in the feeding basket for the animals. This is the love and humility of our Savior. And, and, and we can imagine the, the great contrast. The great contrast to what the expectations would have been. These are people that live in the Roman Empire. They know what it is like to, to have a man who stands up and declares himself to be Lord. And when his son is born, you can be sure everyone will know. Even here on, these, on the, the far reaches of, of the kingdom, you will know the king's son has been born. And if you went to see him, you would not find him with the animals. There is a great contrast here for us, showing us the love and humility of Christ. And, and even in the, the angel's announcement, look back at verse 11. We find this profound Christology, this, this truth of who Jesus Christ is. We have this announcement that today, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Now, none of those phrases should surprise us. They're phrases used throughout Scripture to describe Jesus. But this is the only verse in all of the New Testament where all three of those titles are given to Jesus. He is the Savior. He is the Christ. He is the Lord. He is the Savior, the one who came to die for us, to sacrifice himself. And so to acknowledge him to be Savior means I acknowledge myself to be a sinner, one who has broken my relationship with God and needs a rescuer. To call him the Christ, it, and this, this phrase is so familiar that, that Jesus the Christ, it, 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 it almost becomes his last name throughout the rest of the New Testament. Jesus Christ, and, and you've said it perhaps at times blasphemously. It's a description of Jesus is the promised Messiah. Remember the promises that God made to us back in history. Today, those promises are filled. Right now, in David's city, the king, the promised Messiah is here, and he is the Lord. The Lord, Yahweh himself, the king of heaven and earth, the one who, who demands absolute loyalty from us. And so in this announcement of good news, there is, there is a great demand. Jesus is the Savior. We are in need of rescue. Jesus is the Christ. He fulfills God's promises. He is the Lord. We must bow the knee before him. And so we have the sign, the sign of a baby wrapped in cloths, a baby lying in the feeding trough, but we also have then this song, because one angel is frightening enough, but verse 13 comes barreling at us. Suddenly, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Glory to God in the highest. You can imagine the, the shepherd's fear and surprise at one angel. Now you have a legion of angels, the heavenly host, the army of heaven, the heavenly choir now before them, bursting forth in song. And we know the songs of the, the angels, that the angels give praise to God in the Old Testament. We can think of, of Isaiah's vision in Isaiah 6, where he hears the angels singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. It's a song of praise, of glory to God for who he is. And we, we know from, from the, the, the psalmist in Psalm 19 that the heavens themselves, the very creation, the heavens declare the glory of God. 
And now from the heavens come the words which, which echo that truth, which affirm that truth. From the heavens themselves come the angels, singing glory to God in the highest. And so in the song, we have a song of, of beautiful praise. God deserves the recognition for his, for his greatness, his majesty. God deserves praise for, for what he has done for us. In this song, a very simple song, shows us the, the rich connections of, of God's glory and the mercy, the peace which come to us. We see the connections between glory and peace. That the glory God deserves is because we on earth have peace. God is glorified. It, it, my, my translation says glory to God in the highest. And that's not just a superlative. Like give God as much glory as you possibly could give. It's a place. And you, so your translations might actually say that in the, in the highest heavens or in, in the heavenly places. Glory, there's a connection between now heaven and earth. The glory which God has always had in heaven, we now see and hear on earth. And it's the, the, the song of, of blessing here, a connection between God and men. And so the peace which you and I receive is a peace which can come only through our relationship with God, a gift from God himself, a gift through this child, this announcement of good news, the birth of of the Savior. And you and I might chase after peace in, in different ways. Uh, uh, and some of us, we feel a great need for it right now just because of the busyness, the, 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 the chaos of our schedules. I just need a break. I just need people to, to leave me alone. I just need to get all of this, this shopping done. I just need to finish what's before me. And others of us may, may chase after peace in bigger ways. We might think, well, that gift, that one that's at the top of my list, the one that Santa better not forget, that one. Well, that one will bring peace because it, it, could, it could give me a, a joy and a satisfaction that I long for. And I'm, I'm not saying that gift-giving we should stop do away with. No, gift-giving is a, is a beautiful picture of, of God's great gift to us. I mean, I'm not saying we should do away with the pageantry, with the, the lights that, that remind us the light has come into the world. No, I'm saying you and I need a deeper peace, a lasting peace. A peace which can only come when we find forgiveness from our sins. A peace which can only come when we find our relationship with God restored. And that's what this song tells us, that God gets glory in the highest and God gives peace on earth. Now we know from the scriptures, I already mentioned Isaiah 6, that the angels are in heaven giving praise to God. We see even greater pictures of that at the end of scripture in John's vision in, in Revelation. But here we have something new. The angels have, have always worshipped in heaven, but, but now they get to sing a new song. And they get to sing in a new venue, right? This is, this is their debut performance on earth. So the angels have, have, have never had a human audience to hear of God's great glory and majesty. Yes, Isaiah had a vision, but it was, it was limited. Now they, they come down from heaven to earth to announce the glory of God, the glory which they themselves have seen in heaven. But, but think of it. There is even more glory now because of what God is doing, what God is accomplishing. I mean, the angel's announcement that, that, that today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, that's the first time you could ever say that sentence in the past tense. It's always been that the Savior will be born to you, but now the angel arrives and says, it's, it's happened 
The Savior has been born. And so the angels have a, have a new reason to give praise to God. And, and, and Peter, actually, and you could flip, flip here with me to 1 Peter, so toward the back of your Bibles. Peter, one of the, the apostles of Jesus. P- Peter, in, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12, he's describing for us the, the, the way in which the promises of God throughout history were announced to us by the prophets. And that these promises are fulfilled in in Jesus Christ. That that Jesus, we were told, must come. That Jesus must suffer for us. And then look at 1 Peter 1, verse 12. It was revealed to the prophets that they were not serving themselves but serving you when they spoke of the things that have now been told to you by those of us who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. And then look at this little note that he just kind of throws in there. This is 1 Peter 1, 12. Even angels long to look into these things. You see, the angels have been watching this story unfold. The promises of God announced. Sometimes they themselves were the messengers sent by God to to make these these promises known. But they've been watching this story unfold. They've They've been peering over the edge and seeing, this is what God is doing. This is what salvation looks like. And now, finally... Here in Luke chapter 2, they get to announce it. The heavenly choir is practiced. They are ready to sing glory to God in the highest and on earth. See, the glory we've seen is now glory that you get to see. And on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. The angels have have a new song to sing. They have a new venue in which to sing it. They're singing in a new key. Noel Paul Stuckey, Mary Travers, and Peter Yarrow heard a song on the radio that that changed everything for them because they heard their own song on the radio. Now, I I have to admit, I'd never, I'm sure, ever even heard their last names. And to be honest, I never knew that, that Noel had a different first name. See, because Peter, Noel, and Mary doesn't work as well as you take Noel's middle name, Peter, Paul, and Mary. And so they, they describe riding in the car together, the three of them, and, and listening to the radio, and then suddenly a song that changes their lives, their song. It's the first time they were ever on the radio. They, the, 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 now, it, it wasn't a new song to them. They, they obviously had the lyrics memorized. But it, was, it changed everything because it's, it's being sung in a brand new way. Mary, this is how she describes the experience. She said, it was like hearing the radio for the first time. The new venue changes everything. Don't, don't, don't you see the angels have been singing glory to God, but, but now where are they singing it? Here on earth. To whom? To us. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. This is a song of praise, a song in which we see the glory of God bringing peace to us. We as humans are now connected in a relationship with God. The song of heaven becomes the song of earth. So we've seen the sign, we've heard the song, and so what's the significance? What do we do with this? How are we meant to respond? Well, we'll look at the response of the, the shepherds. When the, this is verse 15 back in Luke chapter 2. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. 
And the angels, or the, the shepherds, hearing the angels' announcement, they immediately respond. They go. And, and we're told that they, they leave, they were amazed, and they, they tell others all that has happened to them. See, for some of us, this, this Christmas story seems fine if we keep it at a distance. If we just let Christmas be about the nostalgia and the, the pretty decorations, then it's, then it's okay. We don't, we don't mind even, even reading this story in an inspirational way. It can just slot on the shelf between the, the stories about little elves that are peering and watching you all the time and that guy in the red suit who's watching you all the time and keeping a list. I mean, some of these stories actually are a little bit frightening, but, but we're okay with the story as long as it just slots in there. The kind of thing you would read to a child, an inspirational message, a fun little way for us to celebrate together as a family. But you see, that's, that's not at all what this gospel message is. This gospel is the, the historical announcement of angels coming from heaven to tell us what has happened. And you and I might think, but, but nobody actually believes that nowadays, do they? That might be the way you're tempted to think. But remember what Luke is doing for us. He's not writing a, an inspirational story. He's writing history. I mean, flip back to, to the very beginning of, of Luke's gospel. This is the way he introduces this. You want to know what I'm about to write to you? I mean, you and I, we just see it says the gospel of Luke. I know what that means. But, but imagine being the, the first recipient, the first to hear this. This is what Luke tells us. He says, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the very first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account. You see what Luke is telling us? This isn't the kind of book you can leave just on the shelf with fairy tales. This is true history. How do I know? Eyewitnesses told me. I went and investigated this. Likely, Luke, Luke spoke to, to, to some of these, spoke with Mary, spoke with those who saw the story unfold, who were witnesses of it. See, this is an announcement. This, this biblical story is an announcement of true history, of God intervening in history for us. And so it demands a response from us. There's no place in this story for a detached curiosity we just kind of stand back and say, oh, that's cute. Oh, look at those little angel wings all crooked on her. Look at the, the, the sheep already wandering off. No, there's, there's no place for a mere detached curiosity. This is a true story that demands a response. Do you hear what's happening? An angelic messenger stands before us to say the king of the universe is here. And this, then, is the good news, the promised fulfillment of God's plan. This is a, a message of peace. Look at verse 14. To men on whom his favor rests. And commentators say that that's almost a, a, almost a technical phrase there. Men on whom his favor rests. It's, it's talking about the, the promises of God. Remember, we, we've seen this already. Remember the promises God made back in history? Those promises? Those are the promises. The, the promises he made to the people of Abraham the ones on whom his favor rests, his chosen people. Those are the promises which are here now. I mean, it's showing us the grand expanse of this story, the story which, yes, begins on a Christmas morning. 
with the birth of a child, but a story which stretches back into eternity past. Because from the, the beginning, at creation, this plan was already there. This plan brought to its fulfillment by the announcement of the, the messengers of the Old Testament and now brought to complete fulfillment in the birth of Jesus. And so there's a new song that has to be sung, a song that demands everything from us. Because to declare Jesus to be the Savior means we come and beg forgiveness. To declare Jesus to be the Christ means we believe those promises are true. We take God at his word. To declare him to be Lord means we, we bow before him as the true and exalted king and give him everything that we have, our very lives. So that's what the song means. So Jesus is revealing to us the glory of God in a way that has never been seen before. Yes, the angels have been looking at the story as it unfolds. But now we see the glory, the majesty, the power of God in an even greater way. Because we will see in the, the fulfillment of what Jesus came to do in his own death and resurrection, the glory, the majesty of God. We will see the justice of God and the mercy of God in, in a way that we couldn't even have imagined before. Even the angels are trying to figure out how this will work. And one of the commentators, he, he points out, he says, the sign. The sign was of Jesus wrapped in cloths. Well, in Luke's gospel, when will we next find Jesus described this way? At his birth, but at his death. When the body of Christ is taken down and wrapped and placed in a tomb. You see, this story is pointing us to that truth. The Savior himself humbled himself. The Savior gave himself for us. He died in our place. And so this, this song demands a response. It demands that we say that Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is my Lord. You hear the angel's announcement, will their song be your song? Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace to men on whom his favor rests. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, we rejoice in the hope of this gospel. The, the beautiful message of Christmas, this powerful message. And so, Father, we come to, to join our voices with those of the angels to give glory to you to shout that you are the God exalted in the highest heavens. You're the God who deserves all praise, and you are the God who has shown your mercy to us, your favor here on earth. Lord, we come thanking you for the grace that is ours in Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, for those who hear this message, hear it even now afresh with new ears to hear the truth. Lord, give them the faith to believe, to put their trust in Christ. Lord, for, for those of us that follow after Christ, make us bold like the, the shepherds in our witness. Lord, use us this week to invite a, a friend, a co-worker to join us on, on Christmas Eve. Lord, we thank you for the privilege we have of hearing this gospel, the grace that is ours when we respond, and, and Lord, make us bold in proclaiming the truth of this gospel. Lord, we come praying in the name of Jesus, Jesus our Savior, Jesus Christ our Lord, 